Hi everyone. Um, today we're going to be talking with Dr. Ethan Jerome, who's a teacher at King's Academy in Jordan. Dr. Ethan graduated from the University of Arkansas. He got his PhD from there, and his main focus was on Palestine, where he also did fieldwork. Um, Dr. Ethan is going to be talking to us today about um, getting the vaccine to people throughout the world and the, and how that's reflecting the underlying infrastructure where it um, is reflecting um, equality between different countries. So the, the first thing that I would want to mention uh, in terms of, you know, understanding the global economy and the difficulties uh, that have occurred over the past, uh, you know, 14 to 16 months uh, since the coronavirus really started to spread uh, is that um, there is a new kind of sense of hope uh, because of the vaccines that were had, that were created back in the late uh, summer, early fall of, uh, of 2020. But one of the, um, you know, the real difficulties has been the production of the vaccines and then ensuring that, you know, over 9 billion people across the globe can receive the vaccines in order to uh, protect people from the uh, coronavirus. And so at this point now in the summer of 2021, uh, there are certain parts of the world that have uh, slowly started to move uh, toward uh, some level of normalcy, uh, particularly in terms of the economy because of the vaccines. But there are significant parts of the globe that are still very much struggling um, and because they have not had access uh, to, to the vaccines. And I think until there um, is the availability of vaccines for people all across the globe, uh, not depending on whether it's an advanced economy or developing economy or poor one, um, there is going to continue to be problems uh, with the coronavirus and, um, you know, and, and, and real fears too of possible variants in the future that could also hurt those countries where vaccines have been available. And so a real, uh, to move forward in terms of the global economy uh, and to bring back a sense of normalcy is to, uh, is to ensure the availability of these vaccines. And prior to starting the podcast, we had a discussion about um, what you call the vaccine nationalism. And we've seen um, an example of that when the state of Israel gave um, Palestine one million um, dosages of the vaccine, but they ended up being expired. And so how do you think vaccine nationalism is playing into the fairness of spreading um, the vaccine to people? No, and I think this is the, the example of what is happening in Israel-Palestine is one that uh, is a really important one to focus in on in terms of questions of inequality, questions of access uh, to the vaccine. And, and the idea here is that uh, Israel has one of the highest uh, rates, the citizens of Israel have one of the, some of the highest rates of vaccination in the world for a country. 
Uh, and yet um, areas where Israel has a, a military occupation, um, they have not provided the same level of attention or availability of the vaccines. And so you really see this idea of vaccine nationalism really take place in a place like Israel, where there is a, a lot of focus, uh, particularly because um, of their relationship with the uh, Pfizer uh, company and, and the, the vaccine that Pfizer has provided. But Israel's not alone in their vaccine nationalism. I think there's a, a lot of questions about what has happened in uh, the United States uh, and in parts of Europe where uh, it's very clear that there is this sense of vaccine nationalism and a frustration that there are not more vaccines available to other parts of the world. And this is a real concern um, for the future. Here I'm talking about just in the next couple of months, but even in years to come with what is what could possibly happen, hopefully the end of, of this virus. Um, but you know, in worst case scenarios where you have further variants in countries that don't have access to uh, the vaccinations, uh, we don't know what could happen. Uh, but it is, it really uh, has shown kind of a, in the underside, underbelly of kind of this, the, this globe that we live in that uh, often focuses on, um, takes a nationalist perspective to the detriment of people all across the globe. Yeah, and I think this is like a kind of a good segue to see what can be done about the future because um, we are witnessing um, the beginning of consequences of climate change and the world is also, climate change is gonna, it's not gonna affect one country, it's gonna be affecting the whole world. And we can, we might, sadly see that there is also people who do get affected and people that kind of get away with it just because of um, the problems in the infrastructure of the world. So, yeah, and I, I, I do think, um, you know, I want to be careful in drawing this comparison because there are a lot of, of differences between what is happening now with the coronavirus and um, what has been occurring, is occurring, and will uh, affect us in terms of climate change. Um, because there are some really important differences. The reason why I think it's important to at least bring some level of comparison is the idea of a global scale. And that is the coronavirus has gone, has crossed borders and is affecting countries all across the globe. And in a very similar way, uh, climate change is going to affect um, people all across the globe. Another, I think, important way to look at this is how, um, you know, the, the way the coronavirus has affected certain places um, in ways that have been extremely, extremely detrimental. And it's not completely um, understood why countries have been hurt so badly by the coronavirus and other countries have been 
have have been hurt, but not in the same the same scale. And I think in a similar way with climate change, we're going to see certain countries that are going to be impacted in significant and dramatic ways um, that, again, may not be completely understood. The point here is that it is a global issue. And what is, uh, in a way, kind of frightening or frustrating uh, with what is happening now with the coronavirus is, is this idea of uh, vaccine nationalism and countries kind of wanting to focus on themselves, even though this is a global issue. And in the same way, uh, climate change is a, is a, is a global issue. It is not uh, something that a country can go it alone. And so a real concern for the future is to be thinking about how are uh, countries, um, go national governments, uh, going to respond uh, with something like climate change. And the example we see now with the coronavirus is, is this nationalism that has not helped the situation. And if governments respond in the same way when it comes to climate change um, and the way they're behaving even right now with climate change, um, it's going to be very, it's going to be uh, not a good situation. And I would hope that one of the lessons learned through this process of, of the coronavirus is that um, countries realize that they actually, they must work together uh, comprehensively, um, whether it's the coronavirus or um, the climate change in order to respond uh, adequately to the challenges that they are confronted with. Thank you, Dr. Ethan. We definitely do need to um, work all together as one world and try to see a fair future. Again, thank you so much for this. All right. Um, thank you very much.